What's going on, Commonwealth? Jimmy Martin here. John Hunt back for the first live episode of Bluegrass Soccer Cast, which is, of course, your home for all things soccer here in our Commonwealth. John, it's our first live episode. How are you feeling, man? Feeling good, man. Yeah. Got some games on here, hopefully soon. Yeah, so... Shout out to, to the folks that are watching us live. I know you've got a lot of opportunities of different things. You can be watching Team USA playing right now. If you see me look down on my phone, um, know my mother-in-law. It is not me reading anything other than for this podcast. Um, so just to kind of give you some live updates on things. Um, I know Lou City is about to kick off here in a few minutes. Um, but we really appreciate you all tuning in for, for this episode. But John, let's start off things today by mixing it up a little bit. You know, we normally start by going off the top, but today we're going to go straight to the bottom line. And John, you know, I want to uh, start talking about what's going on with Lou City. Uh, they've got a match tonight um, where they are taking on the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Uh, you know, Lou City is currently um, sitting in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. You know, they are hosting the second place Pittsburgh team at Lynn family, like I mentioned. Um, and Lou City and Pittsburgh are both uh, in a rare form. Both are on unbeaten streaks. Um, so, you know, it's a highly contested matchup. Lou City is playing their, um, what is this, fifth game. In, uh, will, they will play five games in 15 days. Uh, both teams are aiming uh, to keep their winning streak alive, like I said. Um, I don't know kind of what happened. John, are you still there? No? Maybe? Okay. Well, I'll keep talking. Uh, <laughs> for Lou City, some really positive things are going to be happening tonight. Um, they're going to see uh, Tooch return, or I'm sorry, Tooch to make his 200th appearance for Lou City, which is phenomenal. Um, so that's really awesome for him. Uh, we're really excited to have him. You know, we had, uh, I think it was Lancaster in the last match, got his 200th cap for the team. So now back-to-back -back matches, um, we're having 200 um, cap players. There we go, John. Welcome back. Okay, I have no idea what just happened there. <laughs> like, Me either, I, I don't know what I touched. Something just happened. My computer just went to sleep. So, Ooh. Well, hey, you know what? We're live, so that happens. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I just kept us rolling here, um, talking about Lucity and Pittsburgh, John. Um, you know, a couple of my notes to talk about. You know, uh, Tooch making his 200th appearance. Both teams are unbeaten streaks currently. For Lucity, they have five games in 15 days, so that's a lot in a small period. Uh, but kind of talk to me about what your thoughts are on this matchup tonight, John. Um, my thoughts are this in general. This is a must, in my opinion, it's the must-win game for louisville um they need to win at home obviously it's a home yes. match that so you need to win uh and honestly the cards are in their favor this is a crazy mm -hmm. even matchup because louisville cardinals lol um yeah this is a crazy even matchup they played just um 10 days 11 days ago in pittsburgh Correct. which was a nil nil draw but it should have been a Louisville victory. Can we can yeah. we agree on that, John? Should have, but stuff happens. Um, in their both teams are um, in terms of road versus home splits. They're even on the home. 
uh, even in goal differential. Uh, Loose City has not drawn at home, but which is all, strange, right? It's weird. They've of their eight games, they've won five, lost three at home. They're um, literally the opposite of racing Louisville, who are like the queens of the draws anywhere. Yeah, and then funny enough, <laughs> five of the Riverhounds is no, 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 I'm sorry. Five of the Riverhounds draws are at are on the road and both of their losses are as well. Both teams are even on goal differential going into this game. Um uh the Riverhounds are on a five game unbeaten run. However, they haven't scored a lot of goals in that nope run. They've had To be fair, Louisville hasn't either in the end their run. Yeah. But Louisville is coming in with three straight shutouts. Agreed. And that's something I wanted to talk about. Their their goalie, Oliver, um, is really trying to keep that going. Uh, it's the second longest streak in club history. So if he gets another one tonight, and I think just one more, he would tie the record. Um, and it would be really awesome for him to continue that goal. And it goes back to what you said on Monday's show, John. You know, the goalkeeping is what's been keeping Loose City alive uh, so far. Oh yeah, it's one hundred percent that's keeping them alive. Um and while coming in on five games unbeaten, the Riverhounds have three draws in that span. Every single draw one of those draws being against Louisville. Every single draw they haven't scored in. Mm. So they've only scored two goals, I think, in this run in games, but they've been shut out three times in the last five games. I think it's the last two, and then like their fourth game, they were shut out. And also, the Riverhounds have yet not won at Lynn Family Stadium since uh, July of 2020. Wow. So during the pandemic years, the only time they could win at Lynn Family. So it's been two and a half. I guess (laughs) that's maybe three seasons technically now since it was halfway through the. So it's been basically three full seasons since the Riverhounds have won inland family stadium. So Louisville, that's why it's a must-win game. You right. you beat these guys, you beat or draw them at home. Typically, they're above you in the table. The Riverhounds are second. Um, yeah, and Louisville's fourth by a point. They're only a point ahead, so this can really catapult Louisville up into the top of the East where many people thought they should be. That's where I would have thought they would have been. Um, Plus tonight, uh, now McCabe coming back from injury. Um, They're hopeful to get Brian Ownby back. I didn't um, have a check to check the starting lineup um, before we we started here, John, um, to see if Ownby was on the the bench for that. Um, But, you know, if you get both of those guys back, plus what Oliver's been doing in goal, a little bit more from Mushagalusa. I think this should be a win. Now, John, I, I'm sure you're familiar with my my predictions that are absolutely surely to go semi wrong in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Um, I'm going to take Lou City tonight to win one to zero. I just think it's time for Lou City to start playing better. Time to rise up and start playing like you're a top tier team. Or if they lose this one, and this is kind of what you were alluding to a little bit there, John. If they lose this one. 
I think it's time for Lou City fans to start thinking, okay, maybe this isn't our year to to chase another title. I wouldn't necessarily put put the panic button on yet, but I would I don't know who you would put the blame towards because they are injured. They've had yeah. a lot of injury type stuff. I might give it with they're getting healthy again. If they lose this one, that is the start of panic. Not like calling for the coach's head, not nothing like that. But the start of like do we do we need to change some stuff next in the offseason? Do we need a new coach? Like that those like back of the, your mind thoughts are going to start to creep in if they do lose this. Um, I feel they should win this about uh, 2-0 if they keep their attacking mm. premise that they had against Loudon. They should, in my opinion, they should win 2-0. But I think the more realistic thing is a 1-0 win victory. Good. We're on the same page. Let's go. Um, speaking of doing a little shimmy, a little dancing, Lou City will actually have um, their second international um, friendly this weekend against Mexican side uh, Atlante FC. Um, and in that, they will celebrate Latin Culture Night. Um, so make sure that you get out to the game. If you're there tonight, hey, thanks for paying attention to us uh, while the game is just starting. Um, but also make sure you get out there on Saturday night. Enjoy the festivities because it seems like it should be a uh, a pretty good atmosphere. Yeah, and like I said on Monday, that's what you use friendlies for. Yep. Perfect perfect for theme nights. They're perfect for to bring in these type of fans type thing. I'm not sure how you play people in that sense. <laughs> yeah. I am a I am a when it comes to that, I am always worried about injuries. The same thing mm-hmm. where I was I was I don't I didn't fully like that the US played whale the women played whales right before going to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. It's just it in the back of my head, the worst can happen type thing. And you're down someone or just you're gonna lose you could uh you could get someone back from injury and all of a sudden they get injured again just again, because you're yeah. playing playing them in a friendly, which is in all honesty, is just a moneymaker. That's yep what they exist for. They have no meaning outside of making money and And, having some exposure in another country. Well, but that was going to be the point I was going to say, like how much exposure are you even getting? I mean, this is a second, I believe they're a second tier Mexican side. So it's not like you're playing, you know, um, Tigres or anything like that, or Pumas. Like you're not playing a big club. You're not playing club America down there. Like, come on. Yeah. How much exposure are you really going to get? I really want to see more from Puels, the Danish forward. I want to see more from him. Um, to me, so far, he's been a smidge of a disappointment. I know he hasn't played much, but I still want to see more from him. He's got a lot of talent. If you look up his highlights and stuff like that, you're going to see how talented this guy can be. So far, he has not shown up for Blue City. Yeah, it. I don't. The difficulty I have with judging players, like he was a big signing, I agree with that. It's just it's very hard for me to judge lower tier players, and what you're Were supposed you? to expect because I feel more often people are picked for the sense of fitting the system, mm-hmm. and so I'll agree that he hasn't been. F- 
the system hasn't been benefiting from him or he hasn't been benefiting from the system. Either way, there's something that's been going wrong. Something has, has been going on. Yeah. And if you go back to some of the things I've said before, there seems to be some kind of culture issue in that locker room between uh, Mushigalusa not playing with Ownby as much this season. You know, I don't know if that was a schism. Um, I know in one of the matches I got to attend earlier this year, um, Brian Ownby was quite upset um, at the coaching staff and at playing time and stuff like that. And yeah, he's super competitive. So you can kind of wave some of that away at that, right? But it seemed to be more than that, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that the chemistry stuff is a big thing. I fully like you need chemistry in soccer because shape and all that stuff is important. Trust is important. That's how the system is built. So if they're not, if it's coaching staff divides if, between players and the coaches is if it's positional group divides type thing, or even if it's truly like the locker room is divided or they're being clicky, like they're not really divided, but they're not really all together. Something's going wrong in the sense that, and it could be they're getting back into it it could be the injury type thing it i'm not in there so i'm not gonna like speculate to like who, yeah who's the issue or what's going on but there's definitely something wrong from last year to this point yeah and you know i agree with you i, I don't know what it is but something something's different mm -hmm. um John will stay in Louisville and we'll talk a little bit about racing. They're on their international break right now, so they don't have any upcoming matches until July 21st. Um, so come back, you know, for more racing Louisville content in a couple of weeks when, which is, you know, they're back and, and looking at stuff, which is weird that they're on an international break and then they're playing the second day of the world cup. I don't, yeah, it's weird. I am question. I am questioning why the NWSL is playing at all. Great question. Right now, yeah. uh, because as we saw in this winter, the men's leagues all stopped. They mm -hmm. did not play during the World Cup. And granted, all not every, you know, lo Racing Louisville is only sending six players. That's not your entire squad. You can very much play with the, It's not the sense of like Manchester City that sent 17 players type thing. It's not your whole squad. But the entire U.S. women's team, I think, besides one player, is from the NWSL. Yeah, so, like, across the whole league, yeah, like, it's a big thing. But you were talking to me about the numbers from Racing Louisville in the World Cup. What were those earlier? Uh, there's six six players across five continents. Um, let me pull that up. So, obviously, you have DeMillo, who's representing USA her first time. Granted, she, I don't think she's gonna get that much playing time probably she's not. in a she's has very few appearances and she's in a very experienced group yep she's got julia Ertz in front of her andy sullivan Lindsay horan if she gets playing time it's either an emergency scenario or she her skills are better against a certain team that sort of sense um and then there's Ari Borges, she's the she's going to be representing Brazil. Alec Chizik is for Australia. Uh, Uchenna Kanu is representing Nigeria. Now, if Nigeria plays, that's another question because there's issues similar to Canada 
in terms of paying their players where Canada has not yet run out of money. They're close to Nigeria is like, they haven't paid their coach fully in 14 months. They paid them like them, like half of what they're paid. There's bonus promises, not going out type thing. So there's talk about the super Falcons boycotting the world cup, which would be insane. Like we're so close. It would be insane, but it's the sense of like, you should, you need to pay your players. Type thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, like with Canada and with the whole, like the U.S. got their stuff ironed out. My whole thing with internet, I'm staying this. If you are representing your country, the pay should be equal. You don't like Fact. it. Doesn't doesn't matter. I people argue that the men make at least in America, the men make more revenue or whatever. It doesn't matter. You're representing your country. The uh, you people should not be paid based on like how popular you are. Nope. It's just, honestly, it, you should be paid on your achievement. And that definitely in the USA would put way more money in the women's side than the men's. Yeah. You should be paid for your achievement, but then, but paying for the game, like being yeah. in the game should be equal no matter where you are on the roster, what sport you're playing in general. That's just my take on it. Like you're, Club is for financial gains. If you want to look at it that way, club or country is the honor. It's this thing. I'm now not saying they need to go back to like amateur. No, Lord, it needs to. It needs to be even and equal. And then, um, I'm gonna butcher this name. Thimbi Galata. She's playing for South Africa, and then Wang Shang is uh, representing China. Well done. I, I would have absolutely butchered my way through all of that. You you did your best, my friend. Good job. And there's only two of them are guaranteed to play each other. And that's uh, Chidek and Kanu, or the Australia and Nigeria are in the same group. Everyone else is in different groups. So the only way they'll face each other in the match is um, knockouts, if they make it that far. Well, and, you know, USA and China easily could meet in a semifinal or, a, you know, a, a final. So that could be another matchup. It could be, yeah. I think they would, if they do, it'd be semifinal path. I think so. I said final, and I was like, I don't think that's right. I just yeah, rolled with it. I though. don't. <laughs> I don't know off the top of my head what, what group everyone's in and, like, how that formatting works. Well, make sure you come back uh, probably next week. We will have a full preview of the Women's World Cup. See, John, this all just rolls together beautifully. Um, So if you want that full recap, uh, or I'm sorry, that full preview, uh, make sure you come back to the Bluegrass Soccercast to keep getting more uh, of a preview for the Women's World Cup. John, let's jump over to your favorite team uh, here in Kentucky, Lexington Sporting Club, as they start that long journey out to Fresno, California, to take on Central Valley Fugue. Fuego. Fuego. Yeah, sorry. Typo on my part. Um, Yep. So this is uh, first ever meeting, like most matches are for Lex. Um, But in a sense, it's a first ever meeting, but it's a must win. Yes. Fuego is dog bottom, absolute bottom trash. of the table. They are they have one win at home and six losses with a negative seven gold arrangements. Granted, Lex is 0 2 and 
two draws, six losses on the road with a negative seven goal differential. Um, but they got to win this. Yes, they have to win this because Fuego is coming off of five straight losses where they've only scored one goal. Uh, granted, they just fired their head coach, Martin Vasquez, on July 5th. So this is the second game since then, but the first like full game. Because they yeah. played Madison three days after that, so it's like the first full game where their interim head coach had the chance to do something besides just like trying to figure out because one of those is a travel day, all that type of stuff. Um, Lexington is one, one, and three in their last five, so there is, oh, but they're they have three straight losses with a goal differential of negative four, which is negative one if you take out Tormenta. Right, the Tormenta game, so it's not but bad. It still but they, torments a, all of your nightmares. Yes, see what it very did much there. so. See what it yeah. did. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yes, it's a must-win game for Lexington. So it's going to be a late game. It kicks off at 10 p.m. because Fresno is like the isolated thing. <laughs> I d- that's the thing I don't understand about League One. They are adding like another team out there, but like Lexington is technically right now. Yeah. Spokane and Brooklyn. No, hold up. I thought I just saw, um, there was speculation. Spokane and Santa Barbara Bay or Santa Barbara sky. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I forgot about Santa Barbara. Um, and then there, there's one going to Brooklyn, but that's the thing. Like as of, of the active clubs, Lex is like the fifth most West. (laughs) In a twelve-team league, because we're like God. a little, little more Western than Chattanooga, and Knoxville, but then it's Madison, Omaha, Colorado, Fuego. Omaha They're, should not be in your top three West Coast teams. That <laughs> we're a southern, nope. we're genu- we're genuinely a Southern conference. There's two teams in the North yep. Carolina. There's two in South Carolina. Or two in Georgia, one in South Carolina, two in Tennessee, and in us. And then the other four out of the eight are all spread out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yep. So, John, I really think I'm agreeing with you. I think this is Lexington's to lose. I think they have to come home with a victory. A draw would not would not turn any gears. It would not progress the club in any way. So I really think I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb. And I'm going to take Lexington to win 2-0, to zero, which they've only done a couple of times this year. So I'm really hoping that um, they can put that, put them to bed early and then just coast out, get home with all three points. Uh, that's – I honestly – yeah, 2-0 would actually be, like, the only acceptable, like, minimum because I don't think a 1-0 draw – like. It, if you watch the Charlotte game, they played really well. They just were going up against Austin Pack, who is the best goalkeeper in USL 1, in my opinion. He's got the most saves. I believe he has the most saves per 90. Um, and so they're just fa- they were just facing an incredible goalkeeper, and they had more shots on goal in that game against Charlotte. They and did. so if, if they can just keep that attacking pace against Fuego... I feel like this could be the like barn burner for Lexington. Could be. 
but I two O is like the really realistic thing. I would love if they like took out all the frustrations of the past three games, like Tormenta did on us two Fuego. Yes, just unload three, four, five, even make up that entire Tormenta game in one. Yeah. But, John, the last uh, match that I want to talk about uh, for today is actually at halftime already. Uh, Team USA and Panama in the Gold Cup semifinals out in um, beautiful San Diego, California at Snapdragon Stadium. Um, Team USA 0, Panama 0 at half. Um, John, you know, I I have not been able to watch it. Uh, I don't have it on on the house at the house here, but... If you've been able to pay attention to it, have you noticed anything? What are your preview notes? All that jazz. I've been following slightly, but it's kind of out of my feel, like feel of view mm-hmm. without turning my head all the way. Um, they're looking good. Uh, it needs to be noted that Panama is not no slouch. No, we do we do have a better record against them all time of eleven three and three. Two of those losses have come in the Gold Cup though. Yep. So it's not. Like we should beat them now. Granted, I don't know too much about the overall Panama national team and their depth. We are playing with our B slash C team. How people want to look at it, though, we have Matt Turner in goal, who is played in phenomenal. Matt Turner, we trust on this channel. Yes, who's played phenomenal. And uh, there's been a lot of talk on. U.S. soccer Twitter about the whole B versus C, especially after us beating Canada, who had more people from their World Cup roster on the team in general. It's hard. That's that's only going to intensify in this Panama match because if I'm not mistaken, this is the Panama A team. Like, this is the best team that they have. Similar to how Jamaica is attacking this Gold Cup, so is Panama. And that would make sense. They didn't play in the World Cup. They didn't play in the yep. Nations League. Like this is their ne- the biggest tournament they've had. And the people bring up, well, why isn't the U.S. Why don't they care? And I think, in my yeah. opinion, it was because of the World Cup. The yep. World Cup was in the winter. And as much as people don't realize it, it's just because they may play one game a week. They're still training every day. These guys still deserve a vacation. Yep. Type thing, and where you could argue Matt Turner's playing because he's a backup at Arsenal, like he doesn't get that much playing time, so he's going for as much as he can get. I think there's a mixture of that. I also think he likes playing for the U.S., like genuinely likes playing for it. And I think some of the other big names of the U.S. more use this off-season type thing to make better moves for their entire career with in the sense of Pulisic with Weya possibly moving uh, McKenzie moving type thing. I think it was just a mixture of like, they needed to do to do stuff to better their whole overall careers, which would better their chances at the world cup in general versus this one gold cup. Absolutely. Um, so I think team you say will win this. I wrote in our, in the preview that I think it'll be a one Oh decision. Um, I don't think this will go to penalties or extra time. I think team USA should be able to, to beat this keeper, um, in regulation, but Hey, I, I thought they would beat Canada two to one and you know, it had to go to, to penalties for that one. So we'll see. Um, 
I totally forgot where I was going to go next. But we're going to skip talking about the U.S. women's team. Like I said, we're going to talk about them next week. Um, but I do want to talk about um, if you would like to sponsor this podcast um, and give us a little support. We have a Buy Me Coffee um, account. So if you want to um, buy us coffee um, or support the show in any way, it can be $1, it can be $5, it could be $20. Whatever your heart is feeling, we'd really appreciate the support. We're trying to grow this platform and get some additional equipment and stuff like that. But you know, any support would be greatly appreciated. Um, but John, with that out of the way, let's now go off the top. Um, and there was huge news that happened last night, John, like big mm-hmm. time news, or maybe it wasn't. We'll talk about it. Uh, there was a report that came out from the Atlantic, uh, or the athletic. athletic, sorry, geez, <laughs> if you can't tell, I'm really dyslexic. So like reading some of these things, just absolutely <laughs> KOD, like I am done, um, from the athletic. Um, and it's funny cause I wrote Atlantic in my script anyways, from the athletic that said the USL is exploring uh, promotion and relegation. So here are the facts from the article. And John, feel free to add anything to it if I missed it. Um, they plan on a three-tiered pro uh, promotion and relegation system, USL champion, League One, and then kind of what I'm calling a reimagination of League Two of some sorts because th- it can't <laughs> be at its current Kind state. of. From what I've read on the report, it might be a league in between one in between. and the championship or it could be there it's the idea of three tier because the thing with usl2 right now is usl2 is not a professional league yep. so this would be professional and there's really not they had to make three at least because there's really not that much competitiveness in a two-team Mm-hmm. in a two-league pro-rel system because, oh, you get relegated, but it's not that far down right? type thing. And there's like, oh, you drop, but you can't drop again. Yeah, so uh, we like you said, we would need all three leagues to be pretty defined and to have those uh, teams that can move up and down. Uh, potential start for this restructuring could be the 2024 season. That's next year. Like this is on a fast track uh, with results in 2024 affecting 2025 um, placement and then promotion relegation would start in 25. Um, And according to the athletic, their sources seem to be very optimistic about it, um, but not all of the votes uh, are in. So, or, you know, like they don't have quite everyone's opinion in to, to say, yes, this is a guarantee. Uh, John, I quickly just want to say, like, I'm very excited about this, and I, I feel very good thoughts towards this. I think this is a good thing. What are kind of your overall thoughts about this? So, overall, one, this is a, this is a, in terms of American-based soccer coverage, this is beating a dead horse in general about ProRail. ProRail is, needs to happen for us for anyone really to take American soccer seriously as much as closed leagues work great financially, it's needed. The pro rail system is truly needed in the soccer landscape because it's just, it's the, it's, it's ingrained in the spirit of the game at this point. And even within the laws of the game, right? Like even within FIFA regulations, 
promotion and relegation is built into parts of the fair play policies. Mm -hmm. Because FIFA believes in the like random club, some some guy and his buddy starts at a bar that can somehow make it all the way to the big leagues type thing. And that's literally the American dream. Yeah, it's the American dream. That's how some teams started in general. That's like Liverpool exists as a a spin-off of Everton. Like fans got yep. pissy and some players got pissy and like we're gonna start another team. Um Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday. That's how a lot of these teams started. It was this person, the ex bat, like uh inter Miami. Not Miami. Inter Milan. Hey. Inter Milan started as like um, I be- I'm going to get this mixed up, but because I don't know the facts. But either AC Milan or Inter Milan were wanting um, just like Italians to play, and like expats, like British immigrants in Milan, were wanting to play, and so they broke off and formed their own club. Or it was the reverse, like they were playing and they just wanted a team of Italians type thing that's how that split happened in milan but pro rel is truly part of the system now as some people are a little confused the uh this is going to go on at the governor's conference mm-hmm. usl governor's conference that's going to be in colorado springs august 9th through the 10th and it is not the vote what they're voting on is not necessarily yes no pro rel it's um interest Right, exactly. Is there enough interest by the owners? Now, I don't, with like Lou City Sense, because they technically have like 47 owners. Is it <laughs> just John Nevin going, representing all of them? Are they all voting Could prior? Um, I, I would imagine with- that, to, to, to be fair and to Lou City. I think they would probably meet before that, send one representative to cast their vote, and that would how that would go, I, I assume. Yeah, I don't know what to say about assuming. I don't know how the votes go. I don't know if USL is saying each team gets one vote or each owner of a team gets one vote. I genuinely don't know how it goes because if they do each owner of a team, it could change. If they do each team, it could change. It's all the thing I'm scared of is the financials. Yep. Because isn't this what I've told people? Closed league is amazing financially. You have because there's no risk of losing money. Famously in Sunderland until I die, they document how bad relegation can be on a team's financial thing. Because you yeah. are spending you're spending Premier League level and you get dropped down and you still have these contracts. Mm-hmm. Now, some teams have made clauses to where they basically have to sell certain players if they get relegated to right, save they can't themselves. Afford it. Yeah, to save themselves and they put that in the contract with the player and the player agrees to it but not all of that time and so that's the scare now here's my thing i don't know what the financial difference between playing in usl championship and playing in league one right now there's obviously some some i is my guess the of picking playing in league three versus league two in terms of right. expansion fees but yeah, your expansion fees would be literally like uh, millions of dollars different between champion and USL League One. I believe League One is 35 mil for a team. Um, 
or maybe that was the champion was 35 mil and then it was 3.5 mil for league one that seems more realistic uh According to the athletic, it was five million as the oh. league league one. Okay, fee. so maybe I was what I was reading was a from a couple years ago that was three point five or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That is, <laughs> from what the athletics said this and this report is from Tom Bogart and Jeff Ruder. Uh that's what the asking fee is in it. And they said in the thing that the second the like division the they would put between uh, expansion sides could buy into, but current clubs cannot. So Lex can't wow. just pay to be promoted into League Two or Tormenta or One Knox. They can't pay to get in. So it's not in the sense of like USL Two, where you can raise enough funds and kind of get there and get established and then buy your way in like Knoxville did. Um, I kind of don't know how I feel about that, then John, um, because you know if you're coming in to the league shouldn't you start at the bottom not start in the middle i mean it's nice that you're not starting at the bottom but like for those clubs that have been around you know if richmond kickers all of a sudden is dropped down to the bottom of usl i mean (laughs) that's not a good thing for that club they kind of chose to do that (laughs) they did they have chose (laughs) you're right (laughs) because at one point you know they could have even potentially been an early mls club they had so much funding you know early on in uh the their history but now they've constantly choosing to go lower and lower and lower you're right and the only reason i'm kind of okay with clubs choosing to buy into the middle tier expansion side is just because with the current structure and based on um, the current both current teams and added teams I believe it's at USL 1 is at 15 with the added because it's 12 current plus Santa Barbara, Spokane and Brooklyn and then the championship has 24 currently and adding four. So that's like 43 people. Right. 43 clubs. Yeah. So then the League Two has 121 clubs. Like, that's insane. Now, I did project this earlier in a group chat I was in. If you keep the current format, you would genuinely need to just, um, I think it was you need to promote one usl side or usl2 side to bring it to 44 and i think it brought it down to like was it 16 let me look 44 well and while you're looking like i will say like that is one of my my concerns right so i've got a whole like pro and con list and i'll talk about it here in a second but okay. that was one of my concerns was talking about how many teams are in each league because there's only a finite amount of spaces. And if we're looking at, would you say, 44? How many so, teams are Yes, in? my idea was for, this is not adding that third league. It's okay. moving USL2 as the third league. It'd be okay. 44 teams in ch- between championship and one. So 22 per. And then one. this is, this is with one... T- USL two side being promoted to one USL League one, and then one going defunct and folding just for numbers' sake of working yeah. out, and then it would be, I said six divisions, kind of like how National League or the Spanish third division is broken out. They break it into groups. Okay, so be like six divisions, 
six divisions of 20. You take the top two of each division. You Champions League draw them, put them in group stages. So that's three groups of four. And then you take the the winners of each group. And those are the three sides promoted to League One. Wait, so you're saying that each group, Champion, League One, and League Two, would have that many teams? No, no, no. So okay, hold on. Now I, I, you lost me. Championship has 22. Uh-huh. League One has 22. Okay. League USL 2 has six groups of 20 for the gotcha. 120 okay. teams, and you can regionalize that. You take the top two of each of the six groups. You do Champions League ball draw or however you want to. You put them in group four, three groups of four. The winner of each group goes on and how if you determine tiebreakers that way it could be goal differential you could be like you have to play another game for Mm -hmm. tiebreaker sense that brings three teams up and so that means 19 through 21 drops or no 20 through 22 drop and then you could do one through you could do like the championship does for league one one gets automatic promotion and then you have playoff for the other two spots i mean that that's an idea <laughs> uh I, i'm not as optimistic about the league two teams if i'm being honest i think i'm not you know, that's having them all go professional that's having 120 yeah. teams or so go full professional that was just my idea without some championship teams would have to drop in that sense mm-hmm. just to make the leagues even but that was my idea without having like adding any teams that we have no idea are coming or creating that thing of like, well, what USL one sides get auto promoted. This would be based off that 2024. What sides get auto promoted? What sides get basically auto relegated? Because my curious thing with championship right now is how do you determine relegation when you have two conferences? Yes. That was another thought I had. Like this country is so big, right? Like, and this is a lot of people's argument against promotion and relegation in America. Right. If for example, If it's one for one, one out, one in, if Lou City is out and the one that comes in is Spokane, you can't put Spokane in the east, Spokane, Washington, like you can't put them in the east. So like you've got to redo all of that. Um, And John, correct me if I'm wrong, but Lexington and USL League One, they're a little bit more of that one league, right? Uh, Like say again. Okay. Like their uh, league one is not um, divided up in like east west, is it? League one okay. is twelve teams. Top six make playoffs. One and yep. two get buys, but it's twelve. It's not divided. I don't think it's going to get divided. Um, I understand why the championship does divide because they have twenty four teams, but at the same time, the championship in England and league one in England and league two in England all have twenty four teams as well, and they're able right. to. Granted, England is super small. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Like travel there is short and easy. A long trip is four hours. Here, four hours could be every. I mean, that could be your closest opponent. Yeah, they have a long trip of four hour by car. They also have. Yeah, England has better train systems than us, Agreed. so it's easier to travel mm-hmm. in general. And that's like that's a knock on American fans. Like, well, y'all don't travel. It's like. Well, my team is it's playing in easy. Fresno on yeah. Saturday, 
that is right. a plane ride or like a two hour drive or two day drive. Yeah, I was like two hour. Holy two crap! Day. How fast do you drive? <laughs> two day drive. Well, I mean, not to ways. ride with you, John. Through, and I'm sorry, and this is going to be a knock on that. I don't want to drive through Kansas. I don't. Want... <laughs> you heard that? that. F you, Kansas. Flat. Get out of here. Yes. That is flat. I'd hate driving through Ohio because, like, north of Dayton and Ohio is the same way. It's just flat <laughs> and cornfield it is so boring. Eat it, Ohio. It's just crazy. But yeah, I say thing. all of that, but I also I used to live in Iowa and I love Iowa because it's a little rolly. But when you get to Nebraska, Kansas, boy, that is flatter than my countertop right here. It's insanely flat. I don't, I don't understand how the world could be so genuinely flat. Well, that's a whole nother podcast right there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, John, going kind of um, back to this, you know, I, I, I want to give some of my thoughts here as well. Like, I, I do think this is a good thing, but really this news yesterday it's a big nothing burger. Like, right now, cool, yeah. they're going to have a vote to explore the idea. Like, it's not like this is happening. You know, I know a lot of people were having live streams yesterday. I even participated in one um, talking about this, but nothing's changed. You know, yeah, so I don't right. want to get too excited about it. And I'm sorry if that makes me Debbie Downer, but I'll wear that crown today because nothing's changed. And I'll agree with that. That's the biggest thing of be careful. Now, I genuinely think with the press that this is getting and the coverage it's getting, uh, that if that there is the interest there, I think it will happen. So I Absolutely. think this vote is crucial to where if it's yes, there's enough interest, it's going to happen. And now fans, you have what three, four weeks to do it. Yes, there is that's, a guy. That was my next Chris, point. Chris Kessel said. Yep. Like, make sure you get things. There is a uh, there's a website where you can get a pro a hashtag pro rail for USA banner for like 20 bucks. It's like a two by eight. I, the reason I bring this up because the Railbirds leadership are debating getting this. You you I, definitely need to. If you all support the idea, right? And I think yeah, you would. And we, we posted on our socials the these votes. And so far, they're overwhelmingly majority it's like 97 and we've had maybe one or two votes that say no and i think those votes that say no could be any number of reasons could be the financial the financial thing is truly a thing because america is the only league is the only league in the world where i know a top flight team folded as a top flight team not a former top flight not one that was like like the Luton Town sense where they dropped all yeah. the way down and near were near folding. Not the Tampa Bay Mutiny, the Miami Fusion were in the MLS and they folded. Yep. Type thing. Technically Chief us folded, but they also became LAFC, you could argue. That one's a little confusing. Yeah. They have well, is that even the same time. ownership though? Like it's the same kind, franchise, but Yeah, kind of different ownership, but it basically was like Chivas folded and like a month later LAFC was announced so it was right. weird yeah no they, they, they definitely have different owners because like Will uh, oh my god I just dropped his name uh, Will Farrell Will Farrell I want to say Will Fer- Ferrero and I was like that's not it at all <laughs> um, welcome to the podcast folks welcome to my brain um, it, it's a totally different group but yeah like teams at our top tier have folded recently 
right? So that, that yeah. is going to be an important yeah. thing is how is that money going to be spent? And I think, think, and I'm fingers crossing here because I'm a big ESPN fan, I'm really hoping that USL can get a deal with ESPN similar to some of the things that they've done with like their college football teams and like the, um, the college leagues to get that multiple years, multiple leagues, um, all on one location and then really dive in and focus on getting that attention that the league really needs. And if it's pro rel, they need to have incentives for each league because there needs to be a reason to want to go up. If it's the same money, if it's the same money, and this is what I said to people, if it's the same money to being in the finishing last in the bottom league as being middle of the top league, there's really not that incentive besides glory or honor to go Mm -hmm. up. And And we all know that that's not worth money. Yeah, fans will want to be up there, but if an owner's like, "Why do I? Why would I spend an extra hundred, two hundred thousand dollars on players? Depending, I don't. Contracts are weird in this sense. Hundred, five hundred thousand dollars on players when I to be at the top level when I can make the same amount of money by revenue being in a lower league and paying them less, so it like offsets like the concessions or tickets that would be different." type sense yeah but you know i kind of going back to the positive side of things i think with this move this would give the usl a really good argument to make usl champion a d1 league within the u.s soccer pyramid which is at the top with the mls Um, because in like i mentioned earlier within fifa bylaws there are things in there about being a top tier league that talk about promotion and relegation. And to this point, the MLS has been able to kind of skate around some of that by um, having a closed promotion system. You know, so teams like Orlando City coming in because of success, uh, not because they bought the license or anything like that. So they've been able to kind of skirt around those rules that I think USA Soccer may then see USL champion as an equal league which could skyrocket their profits, right? Yes, but I'm for that. But I, in my opinion, the pro rail system needs to be around five, five, six years before they try that. It needs to be, can this succeed? Sure. Can this succeed before we try to push against the big dogs? Yeah. Like I wouldn't go, all right, we're going pro rail. All right, we're gonna get D one sanction, we're gonna compete directly with the MLS, and then you get burned. See if it works. And in the sense of like, and here's another thing where I think it could happen is this is the first USL season since kind of the relaunch of the USL and it kind of expanded. It's been around since eighty six, but it, it's been weird. It's the first one, it's like really solid. There's not a single MLS affiliated side in any USL. Yep. So there's not Orlando City two in League One. There's not like these. There's not these any of these MLS two clubs in any league. So MLS has no say. They have no skin in this game now for this yep. vote. So they have no affiliation or no pushback unless the championship, unless the USL tries to get 
championship to D1. Then they can talk with U.S. soccer and maybe push back against it. But right now, that's why I think they need to implement it and see how it goes within its current format or adding a middle team. But something where the USL is just like, we're still being lower leagues. We're seeing how this works, and then we'll push it forward. Yeah, you know, you don't want to rush into it um, at all. But, you know, on the negative side of things, and I have a lot of questions, so I'm going to sound like I am very negative towards this, but I, I promise you I'm excited about it. I want to make sure that this is not the USL just going for a big cash grab, you know, because this tournament, their playoffs, if there are playoffs for promotion and relegation, is going to be a high-commodity TV product that they can sell, right? Those late season matches, which, you know, now don't mean much, especially for the bottom tier of the table, are going to mean a lot more because teams could get relegated. Um, So I don't want this to be a full cash grab by the USL. I really hope that they do have, you know, overall USA soccer and advancing our nation and our national team in mind. And yeah, that's fully how it is because now you can with ProRel, if it happens, you can also have a kid develop and come yep. up and like in the sense of a kid can be 16, make their debut for a lower tier side and move up. And as they're going up and developing, they're playing and their team's doing good. They're playing more competition and that preps them for the men's national team or the women's yeah. national team if they get more established. Well, and speaking of the women's side of this, that I don't know if this was addressed in the article. If it was, I kind of overlooked it because I didn't have the full article to read. But is this just for the men's side, or is this going to include the women's side as well? So this is just the men's side because the women's have not gone, in the USL, they have not gone professional. The Super League launches next year. Next year, yeah. And right now, that's only one division. Okay. And that is that is a direct challenge. So I also think the, the Super NWSL. League. Yep. But then they're playing opposite. So the NWSL is playing oh. essentially the European schedule. They'll take like a month break in the winter, that type of thing. Month, six-week break in the winter, that type of thing. But they are challenging the NWSL, but they're not going in the sense right at their schedule. It's like you, the early USFL versus NFL. They're very much being worked not playing the same the season. There might be some overlap, but we're not playing the same season. Because I think that the USL is seeing, can we even compete and draw enough to that sense? And it could be like, we don't, the NWSL has what, 14 teams? I honestly teams? don't know off the top of my head. That seems right because I know it's more than 12 and it's less than 16. So, yeah, 14 seems about right. They don't, like in general, they have half the amount the MLS has. Mm-hmm. So where the USL is could question going up like against the MLS because they have 30 teams now. They have 12 teams in the NWSL. Yeah. Um, they're... There, there's less markets that they're the the Super League is competing against, in that sense. Um, so yeah, and this Go is needed. It. The pro rel in general is needed because the USL and its rate cannot survive in this sense of just growing and growing 
but not being a division two their entire time that their the money's gonna run out. So apologies, there are only twelve teams in the NWSL. So yeah, you're right. Like between the Super League teams and the NWSL, there's only gonna be a finite amount of that top tier um for that money to be spent on. So then that kind of takes me to some of my other thoughts here. And really my next con is more about that league two structure. A lot of those teams are going to fold or be completely reshuffled out of the USL or into something else. You know, um, maybe they create more of a, a semi-professional rank where those clubs can go play in. Um, so a lot of teams are going to fold but what is that going to mean for the clubs that do stay, right? Like, do they just profit um, off of the loss of players? Or does it hurt that, you know, those first couple years of promotion relegation, if um, uh, who's who's number one right now in the USL champion? Um, championship. In the championship. Or, um, in the... East, I believe it is. Uh, let me pull it. Pittsburgh's number two. I just it's can't Tampa, remember. Who's Tampa, Tampa Bay Rallies, and then the the Tampa Bay Rallies and Sacramento Republic are tied on points. If you want to so go Sacramento, off gold, if you want to go off gold and differential, Sacramento is, would be the top. So let's let's use Sacramento then, because I think that kind of really emphasizes my point based off their run last year in the Open Cup. Um, if Sacramento in that next season, for whatever reason, they have a bunch of injuries and they get determined they're getting bumped down starting in a lower league. You're talking about a franchise that was looking to go MLS last year, the year, you know, in the early parts, right before the pandemic, um, they were looking to go to the MLS. Like that was a big push. Now you're all the way at the bottom of the USL. That's going to be a hard financial burden that I don't know if that club or any club could stand, you know, kind of like what you were mentioning earlier with, you know, your player fees and stuff like that. You're not going to be able to pay those high tier players. If you've got a bottom tier salary. Now it does. There is an addressment of that in the article. And it says that, and this is kind of 2024 thing of the figuring out how to fill that middle league. It would be based off of sporting merit, which di- dictate some clubs dropping from the championship to the new circuit. So, in that sense, I don't. I think Sacramento Republic sporting merit keeps them up. Right. Does it keep up Hartford Athletic though? Does it keep Great up question. some of the, these teams that are struggling? Rhode Island, whenever they come yeah. in, are they going to be able to stay up? I think the new expansion sides for sure are the ones who will, will be at the chopping block yeah. since Arkansas just got announced today. Yeah, shout out. Good job, Arkansas. And yeah. it sucks. <laughs> if, Terrible like, timing. <laughs> yeah, it sucks if that's what ca- the case is. But I, I, in my pers- personal opinion, expansion sides should, if you have Pro-Rel or it's going to start in a season or that type of thing, expand and you have this new league launching expansion sets to all be added to that new league in general. It's, they shouldn't be a club should not get relegated at the same time. Another club is joining that league. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent, hundred percent agree with you, but that takes me to my next kind of con or concern area is what does this mean for the smaller leagues, right? 
you know, is the USL going to raid the UPSL in AI? Oh, wow. In a S. Let me try that again, folks. Nisa. My apologies. Nisa. Um, and all of those, you know, blank premier leagues, you know, the Midwest premier league, the Eastern coast premier league, like all of that stuff. Are they going to get raided? Are they going to raid each other then to, you know, create uh, stronger leagues for themselves? That if that kind of stuff happens, you're talking about not only clubs folding, you're talking about leagues are going to have to fold, and that's not going to be good for USA soccer, not at all. I think, I think the UPSL is okay in the sense was like the same with USL two. I think some teams are going to fold, but mm-hmm. the sheer amount of teams in USL two and in the UPSL, in my opinion, right now is not sustainable in general. There's way too many. I get that they're amateur, that type of stuff. They're they're right now semi professional. Amateur, semi pro. Oh, don't pre, get me started, pre, John. Pre professional <laughs> type thing. Yes, they're professional, but they're not getting paid. Um me and, uh, me and that one dude went round and round on Twitter. Well, you and I can go round and round next episode. <laughs> um, but they're at a point where they're not, in my opinion, they can't survive at their current growth rate. There's new right. clubs joining all the time. They, as general, need to address themselves to figure out. So I think that's a good point. I think, in general, the only league that's in trouble is NISA because NISA yeah. is the only lower division professional club off the top of my head that's not MLS affiliated because there's like MLS Next Pro and stuff like that. I don't think those those kind of clubs matter. If yeah, I'm being honest, like N- those teams NISA NISA is the one league that's in danger and if i was nisa i would talk to the usl about maybe nisa nisa becoming the lower because if i'm usl i'm not making nisa my middle team i'm saying okay nisa how about all your clubs go in what would become our third division and we take usl league one and make just make them the second division because that way you're sticking with your clubs and then nisa can survive and that creates some rivalries because off the top of yeah. my head, Chattanooga has two teams. Yeah. Chattanooga already <laughs> has issues and rivals within themselves. This is yeah. from some of my talks in the supporter group community because Chattanooga FC, which is the Nisa side, had been there, existed for there. Tate Robinson of Lexington played for them. And then the Red Wolves just popped up because USL allowed them to exist like chattanooga fc was is one of those clubs that have kind of is like detroit city fc where it like started as semi-pro as yep. beer league kind of and they got some money and they just kept moving up well and that could create a really interesting thing in louisville as well um i've seen a little bit of yeah, rumors louisville, about metro, metro louisville Stars, going to Met- nisa so now is Louisville about to go from no professional teams, you know, a few years ago to now having a number one tier team and a bottom tier team? I don't know how many other cities could be looking at that kind of a situation. And it's good in general. It's yes. good because people are talking. There's territory rights. People are talking about I was like territory. Tell that to London. Tell that to Manchester. <laughs> tell that. Oh, Paris doesn't really have a thing. Um, tell that to Milan. <laughs> tell that to Rome rivalries are good especially in smaller cities london had what eight teams in the premier league i don't care how densely populated i don't care how densely populated uh london is if a lot london was in a closed system like america there'd be two 
may yeah. maybe three maybe three because new york has some three teams like in the what? new jersey the new jersey devils are a new york team they play in new york they are literally on the other side of the bridge from manhattan okay <laughs> that, that's a hard one because the rangers the islanders and the devils i i get it they're yeah. literally all in the same type thing in the yeah. sense of like it would be like saying a team in elizabeth town is not louisville or like frankfurt is not like lexington or richmond or i don't know of another town right next to bowling green in the sense of like this is literally the town over well, I think sense. you know that would be like Scottsville, um, Glasgow, stuff like that. And trust yeah. me, neither of those places are even close to a USL team. True, but in the it's sense of like USL consideration, if they're there, if a team pops up and it's competing against Bowling Green FC, in I'll be optimistic of the fifth division. I'm saying the whole pyramid gets think that's a rivalry. Yeah, they're close. That's rivalry. close proximity. That's a rivalry. And for I've seen this with Lex. We've manufactured rivals. Yeah. They literally came named said like we're going to name Knoxville versus Lexington battle before they play the match. Yep. Our first match ever was against Knoxville and the USL like released this thing between the USL and the three two teams of like, hey, we're going to call it. I think it's called the battle of the barrel now or whatever. Something like that, yeah, the bourbon barrel battle or something like yeah. that. The BBBBBB. I, I saw that. I was like, okay, I get that there's rivals because UK knock UK and Tennessee are both based in the cities. Like they're definitely they're like it's not a manufactured rivalry in the sense of like people from Lexington already don't like people from Knoxville in the sense, but the teams themselves were not rivals. Right. Lex is developing some sort of a rivalry with Tormenta organically through twitter feuds and stuff like that <laughs> those are the but, best and the players are chippy in that type of sense but these would be genuine rivalries yeah like little city, city playing rivalries. metro is a uh, genuine rivalry that would be a dream it could it would be dope king's hammer technically are they technically a kentucky team uh, they're not. I thought at one point their women's USL W team played in Kentucky, but they do not. They are all based in Cincinnati and Dayton area. I think okay. they might have a small youth presence in northern Kentucky called Kings Hammer South or something, some version of that. Um, but no, the Kings Hammer is predominantly in Cincinnati, which again, okay. as we talked previously, is basically Kentucky. Yeah, but then Kings Hammer and FC Cincinnati type thing if if it happens we've seen it luton town has come from fifth we have their whole story with wrexham yeah like it it's happened before and it creates some awesome stuff and it can create awesome stuff the territory rights argument is stupid and that's just a closed lead argument for the sake of making money and not the sake of actively trying to put a competitive team on the field as the sake of like, I just want to be my investments to be protected, which is valid. Yeah. You're sinking a lot of money. I'm saying that's valid, but at the same time, it's going, I don't want to be challenged. I don't want to be forced to spend more. I don't want to be forced to try to have to put a competitive team on the field more than I already have to, because I don't mm -hmm. want 
my fans to go to another team that's literally in the if you could do the case of Everton and Liverpool literally on the across the street. Yep. They don't um, want and- that because they're scared. And it's a valid fear, but it's be- it's the best thing for sports. It's the best thing for the the, I, the spirit of the game. Agreed. And, you know, the last thing I kind of want to say on that little topic there, you know, if the UPSL, NISA, whoever, Midwest Premier League, whoever, partners with the USL to send teams up into uh, the that bottom tier, you know, there would definitely still be some kind of a fee in place. Um, it, it would have to re- generate revenue for the USL and the club would have to be able to show that they can produce revenue, maybe not to the same level um, initially, but they can at least compete financially with those other clubs. But John, the next kind of con questiony kind of thing that I had was how is the MLS going to respond to this? I Are think, they going to go pro pro rel? Because that would be insane to have two pro rel leagues in the same country. I think two things. I don't think MLS okay. would go pro rel on its own. I don't either because they it's impossible. The only way for them to do that in a genuine sense is for another ten teams to be added. Yeah, I'd put them at 40, 20, 20, but that's only a top and bottom kind of a thing. Yeah, but it's still some pro rel it's not perfect but it's the only way i could see that happening in another sense what i could see is if in the sense where i said the usl needs to if they do it they need to wait a few years to see how well it does and they push like we want to become d1 i could see the mls going well how about you stay two, but we partner with you and you're, the USL, you're still two because it's it'd still be like England because the Premier League is technically its own thing outside of the English Football League. It would be essentially England then. You would have MLS and then you would have USL right underneath, which I think is the, is the perfect ideal world. You The numbers you would have to figure out because you're not having a 30-team top flight type thing. That's just too many and it's hard yeah. to figure out that type of thing. But then you that's what happens and it's, it might it's going to be hard because if i'm san diego i don't want to like appear in the league and be told you're going to get relegated <laughs> yeah. after i paid 500 million dollars to join said league and so i think with some of the teams coming in they might get a protection clause of yep maybe two seasons of like you can't get relegated some people might get angry about that but a sense of like you can get your feet underneath you maybe a season, maybe you just give them a season, one season, get your feet established, get kind of uh, growing pains out of it. But then next season you have to, or you do a separate, I don't know how you would do it. I just, I see where San Diego could get mad if they appear and they're like, all right, we're doing pro rel. And they're like, what? <laughs> right. Because Cincinnati joined the MLS and they sucked. Absolutely. So if they had awful. if they had joined that, they literally bought their way in out of the championship, only to get then drop right back down into the championship. So there should be a protection for some of it, but it creates uh, wanting to be competitive, and then it creates that creates even more competition because then you might have a person like off the top of my head, like Brandon Vasquez. 
I believe he plays in MLS. I'm not that great with MLS players off the top of my head. But Brandon Vasquez might choose to play for Lou City to get them yep. into the and stay. And you have more club uh, loyalty, I feel, in that sense, because they're, you're with the fans from type of thing. Like Luton Town is in it with a guy who was on that National League team. He has stayed with them and now he's in the That's Prem with crazy. them. That guy is going to, if he does somewhat decent for them in the Premier League, he's going to get a statue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like that's statue worthy. You know, that's a statue worthy player. And that's, I think, those exist in America right now. There's definitely, you can argue it for some players, but it becomes even more when that player is so crucial of such a certain part of that club's history of when you're going up and that type of thing. And I just quickly wanted to address the comment that was there. I'm assuming that's from like a Lexington fan or a Metro Louisville fan or someone um, talking about like a real derby with Lou City would be awesome. Yeah, I think any kind of a, a rivalry between, you know, Louisville versus or Lou City versus Metro Louisville or Lou City Lexington, multi, you know, twice a year, a home and away kind of a thing would be fantastic for this state. And, you know, to really build that rivalry, because I, I honestly think we were lucky to get that matchup in the Open Cup. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I would really want to see more of those matches between the two uh, moving forward. From what I'm hearing about the Open Cup is that's probably going to be a normal matchup every year. Good. Is that they're love regionalizing it. it, which, yes, it's good. And I love us playing Louisville. However. I don't necessarily like the defaults. Like your first open cup game is always going to be against Louisville. Same thing for Louisville. I, it's a little, but I get it. It's understandable. But in the same sense of pro row, you you have just in like the Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, Tennessee, you could throw in St. Louis because it's right there. Yeah. Type thing. If you get a sense where they're all in the same league. Do you want to see how American fans can truly support their teams? <laughs> Put teams close together. You know, if Louisville has away days at St. Louis, Indianapolis, Lexington, Cincinnati, Knoxville, Nashville, Nashville too. Yeah. You add in that, and you could even add Chicago. That's not too far. That's yeah. seven, eight teams. And that's, that's 16 games of where away fans can travel and support their clubs uh, in a non-super costly way. Yeah. And it's fair. Because, like, what sucks about being a West Coast person is you're more spread out than anything. Oh, yeah. You're isolated. St. Louis is in the Western Conference in the MLS. (laughs) They are closer to Chicago, which is in the East, than they are to Seattle. Which in, in the MLS is not the only league like that, right? Like there have been other times where I've seen like the St. Louis Blues. I, I think they might still be in the Western They're Conference. Still, Detroit Red Wings were in the Western Conference until what like 2014. Hell? Well, that goes back to the original six days when there was six teams and it was Toronto, Detroit, Chicago in the West and Montreal, New York, Boston in the East. So, so like far just, East versus the Midwest. Yeah. And they just kind of <laughs> kept it that way. But, That's insane. Well, I guess know, I, I should have known that Nashville's in the the West. Should have known that. Yeah, and they're in there. Ho- with Chicago. Hockey's a little different. Hockey's a very northeastern clustered sport yeah. in general. It's expanding, anyway. but like it in general. 
but in that that's fans will travel if it's a reasonable travel and you can Agreed. get that you can get eight teams within 10 10 hour drive at most probably at most and that's probably pushing it which would be fantastic like that, i would love that, to be within that kind of a bubble in kentucky right and I'm being optimistic because it's in the area we're in, yeah. but it could be the same for anywhere mm-hmm. type thing. Like that's why Northeastern teams always like these people hate each other because it's so <laughs> easy to travel. For years. Well, it's so easy to travel. The reason Boston and New York Red Sox Yankees fans hate each other is because they can easily travel and be annoying. Yep. Yankees fans can go be annoying in Fenway easily. I, as a Tigers slash Reds fan, cannot go to Kansas City and be annoying as nope. easy. Type Can't thing. go to it's Chicago as easy. easy. Yeah. So it it closeness helps. The Manchester Derby, closeness helps. The North London Derby, they're literally right by each other. That's why they yep. hate each other. They see each other all the time. Well, so the last kind of thing that I wanted to, to talk about on this, John, is... Uh, talking about salary minimums because I think we have to get rid of any concept. And if there is any concept of a salary cap, this is doomed from the start. But I do strongly think that a salary minimum needs to be in place uh, just to keep a competitive-ish balance, uh, at least financially speaking, if not also on the field as well. So I definitely want to make sure that there is some kind of a salary minimum for each league. Obviously, it'll get higher and higher as you go. You know, it could be a situation where the bottom of the championship is the top of, you know, the the tier three. So uh, I, I just want to make sure that we have something like that on the table from the jump so that everybody knows, okay, starting in 25 when ProRail starts, you got to have this much minimum in salaries. There should be player minimums for each league. So that's especially totally if a team agree. gets pulled up and they have like a young kid. They're not still paying him at like lower league level. Yep. Um, and there should be a salary floor. Definitely. It shouldn't be that much difference. No. I don't. It shouldn't be that great of a difference between each league because if it's um, – if it's two hundred and fifty thousand between the second and the first, that can be a lot of money to a team, and that can make may, mean they get relegated again. So it should be yep. not too much of a difference, but it should exist, and then that should be it for salary thing. I am a firm believer. What hurts MLS the most is its stupid salary rules. Oh, it's the I most complex it. league. I don't understand it. Doesn't player. Make I sense. don't understand. I don't understand where all this money is coming from, but they're capped like. Inter Miami is linked to eight different players. I'm like, don't you only get three designated players? Why are you linked to all these players? I don't Fact. get it. But like, it's I, what's I, hurting I the MLS. And I don't understand what's going on with him. Like, how are we affording all of these players? How? Let me just say, how are we affording Messi alone? But then well, Because when you're the league is paying these... for half of that. Thank sure, you, MLS, and everyone Apple. who has Apple TV uh, Plus. Thank you so much for that. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, I'll never be able to afford to go see him play because those tickets are like five hundred dollars uh, for the no seater, like bleacher seats. Open Cup match against Cincinnati. <laughs> I got the notification that it the tickets open. I looked and they were started at three eighty. 
Yeah, nope. Start cheapest rate. They just opened. And I don't even know if he's going to be able to play in the Open Cup. I don't know when the, the Open Cup one yet is August. His debut is supposed to well, be on July twenty first. But like, with when was the roster cut off for the Open Cup? Like, was there a I don't know a June cutoff for that August matchup? I don't I'm know. not. Sh- then then that that's also something that hurts oh, me. Is did you get Cup. tickets to that game? No. No. Okay. I did not. If you did and he's not playing, boy, I'd be peeved off. The Open Cup's rules about player stuff, that kind of Mm -hmm. annoys me a little. But I'm not. That that exists with the FA Cup and all that type of stuff. It's just, I feel like roster limits, roster rules are kind of stupid in general. The floor should definitely exist. It should exist in all sports. Because it should be, this is the minimum to be a competitive team. You can't be the Oakland A's and no. actively, actively choose to not spend money. Yep. Especially when your stadium's falling apart. That's even that's the worst part of I say of the whole Oakland situation is the fact that they, their product is terrible and their stadium's falling apart. If your product's terrible, it, but you just renovated the stadium with a bunch of money. Fans might be a little more okay with the terrible product at for that Agreed. one season type thing, but there should always be a floor. Player, I'm pro player in any sense. I'm never pro owner. Nope. Because I'm sorry, even if players are making millions of dollars, that's still less than billions. Agreed. And you know, I think that can be a really great another off the top uh, segment in a future episode to talk about, you know, these stadiums and funding for them. And why are all of these public funds being poured into stuff like that? When you've got billionaire owners who could afford it like that and would never notice the difference. But John final, uh, thoughts here on promotion and relegation as a possibility in the USL. It, uh, it needs to happen. They need to do it smart, not just do it to have it. So they need to make sure everything's okay. They, that's why I said they don't need to challenge MLS until they get all the kinks figured out. And don't do it. They should do it in a way that makes the leagues even on number of teams. Because that's or as close as to possible. Like the Premier League is 20 and then it's 24 in the championship. So that's, that's four team enough. difference I can take. But it shouldn't be like it is now. It shouldn't be league. one league is half the size of another. And then the the bottom league is quadruple (laughs) one of the other leagues. Yeah. But with that, we will wrap up our very first live episode of Bluegrass Soccer Cast. John, we survived. We did it. I don't know how we did it, but we made it through. Some technical difficulties to start, but here we are. Uh, Make sure that you are following us on all of our social media sites, Instagram, Twitter, threads, YouTube, etc. All of them have the same um username bg soccer cast for bluegrass soccer cast uh make sure that you listen to our podcast this uh will be uploaded very soon to all your favorite podcasting platforms like spotify google youtube and others um and overall make sure that you're following us and giving us all the support we've got that uh link at the top corner where it's over there somewhere uh, to support us with uh buy me a coffee Uh, We always appreciate any kind of support with that as well. Uh, Now it's right over there. But this is Jimmy. That's John. And we will see you on the next one.